0: There is a place where fears and fantasies get weighed on substance alone. Legends and lores are examined in fresh light. Conspiracy theory meets conspiracy fact. Abandon your defenses. Embrace the possibilities. Step beyond the threshold into
1: other realms. They can take they want to About it. three feet tall. It changed UFO activity. And it remembers everything that ever happened And then while. there was one point where I heard, uh, wow. There was some UFOs when we were there. I want
2: to know the truth. My name's Des, uh we're at Star Rock here. Uh This is for Threshold Radio. And I'm standing here with a young lady, and your name? Kim. Kim. And uh, do you work here at Starfrock? I do. Okay, Well, tell me briefly what you do here.
0: I work in the gift shop, here at the gift shop.
2: Okay. And you have a little story to tell us about your daughter.
0: When she was two or three, and
2: maybe up to five or six, she would see orbs in her bedroom at the
1: nighttime, Um,
2: just, you know,
1: yeah, we couldn't figure out what it was for the longest time, but that's what I believe it is. Okay,
0: what did she actually tell you? That she would see like like lights. She would see lots of lights coming out of the out of the, the ceiling. Out of the ceiling. Yeah.
3: You're listening to Threshold Radio I'm Anthony K. With me is Sam Moranto and John Stevenson. On today's show we have Michael Clean, Suzanne Taylor's Outside the Box, and Frank Kaufman and much more. We're gonna start off the show right away with Michael Clean segment. You're listening to Threshold Radio, we'll be right back.
4: EdgeOnAir.com and Thresholds into Other Realms present Thresholds Radio, a weekly show dedicated to all things paranormal. Join your hosts Sam Moranto, John Stevenson, and Anthony Kopp Fridays from 10 to 11 p.m. for an expedition beyond your most unexplainable dreams. With new guests every week, Thresholds Radio will bend your views on reality. That's Friday nights 10 to 11 on TheEdgeOnAir.com. For more info on Thresholds Radio, visit UFO-info.com.
0: Welcome back to Threshold and Other Realms, and with us is Mike O'Clean. How you doing, Mike?
2: Hey, John. Thanks for having me on.
0: What do you got for us today?
2: Well, I got a couple of interesting... Uh, things to talk about, a couple of articles I just read that I thought I'd share with the listeners, and of course uh, I know that you had something to talk about as well, right? You wanted to talk about paranormal frauds? Well yeah, uh, in, the,
0: in the industry there's so many people that just jump on the bandwagon now and I'm just was curious if you run across people like that too.
2: Oh yeah, well we, we can talk about that and that, that actually relates to these two articles now these things that I saw, uh, one of them was on the Yahoo Network the other one was on a blog called Life's Little Mysteries. And they were both written by this guy, uh, Benjamin Radford, who is a a skeptic. Uh, One of them is why ghosts get spooked by HD cameras, and the other one is about Einstein's laws. He says, uh, Do Einstein's laws prove ghosts exist? And both of them, really, they take a skeptical view of the subject. And uh, it's, it's interesting because you always hear this, this argument that uh, Einstein, his theory, you've probably heard this before, that, that energy can't be created or destroyed, it only changes form. And so in this article, he was doing this Google search. It said it turned up 8 million results suggesting a link between ghosts and Einstein's work covering cons- the conservation of energy. Oh, that's cool. And, yeah, well, his argument is that, okay, okay according to the, the paranormal researchers, right, their theory is that your spirit or a ghost is some form of, like, electricity or energy, and that uh, when you die that it somehow this, this essence of yourself, this energy survives, because uh, according to Einstein, energy can't be created or destroyed.
0: You actually continue to go on, you just don't have your physical body anymore. There's a lot of different theories on that same way.
2: Right, but his explanation is, he says uh, that this explanation isn't very mysterious at all, he says after a person dies, the energy in his or her body goes where all organisms energy goes after death into the environment. He says uh, when a human dies, the energy stored in his or her body is released in the form of heat and transferred into the animals that eat us and the plants that absorb us. So. Essentially, those that's what electri- causes
0: global warming. You're saying. <laughs> <then>. <laughs> yeah, that's
2: when it comes out of the cows at okay. the end of the line. But that uh, that electrical energy in our brain, he says that when we die, it simply just turns off. It's like when you flip a switch of a light bulb. You know, the the electricity doesn't transport into another dimension. It just goes into whatever. It just disperses into well, the that's atmosphere. What S-
0: Stephen Hawkins just said that too recently. If you saw that article, he says that when you die, it's like flipping off your computer turning off a light switch. It's just it. Your your history.
2: Yeah. And I'm I'm kind of skeptical of all those different analogies because I know that throughout history the human brain has always been compared to the latest technology. So when steam was all the rage, everybody compared the human brain and body to like a steam engine. Steam engine. So now that computers are around and computers are the big thing, everyone says, oh, the human brain's just like a computer. Uh, when in fact, I don't think you can make those analogies very well because the human body and brain is not. Uh, a machine. It's not made of wires or, or anything like that. You know, we got totally different things going on. But they are uh, making
0: computers now that actually are organic though. If you, you've heard about the research into that? Vaguely. They, they've uh, they, actually got one of them that I know of. It's a computer and for the processing unit is an actual mount brain. Interesting. It actually is. It's, it, it's pretty cool. It's a little trippy though. I don't know if we should be putting organic into a computer.
2: Well, I, I know that um, that they've actually used this technology for toys. I saw an advertisement, there's a toy now
0: With a where rank. you
2: wear a headband. There's something in this ball that connects with the, um, I, I guess, the electrical signals from oh, the headband. Yeah. Right, you play this game with each other using your mind to direct this ball in a certain way. And I think in the future, they're going to be able to do that for paraplegics and stuff. Well, they actually so just, are
0: working on militaries right now, too, because of all the amputees from the recent war. There's a whole article about that. Thought alone, they can move uh, aesthetic arms and stuff. It's actually pretty amazing research.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, what I really want to do is have a, a chip so that I can uh, turn the TV on and off <laughs> yes. without the remote control. So you
0: never have to leave your couch. Yeah,
2: all you have to do is think about changing the channel.
0: And Think about that beer.
2: <laughs> I, I could see it getting annoying, though. I mean what if you accidentally think about changing the channel but you really didn't seriously want to you know the thought just crossed your head and suddenly uh-huh. well let's bring it back to ghosts, because we got a little off track there but not really because I think that this is a big mistake the field of paranormal research has gotten itself into trying to find some kind of physical explanation for ghosts or for the human soul I personally believe that uh, the human soul is not a uh, substance, you know. I think that if we have a soul or it survives bodily death, I think it's, it's a non-physical thing that can't be measured by equipment or, you know, discovered by science or anything like that. It, it's part of a materialist worldview that says that there's nothing in the universe other than things that can be measured, and so I think that that's sort of the trap that paranormal research has gotten into, where they're, they're saying we need to prove to scientists that the human soul exists, therefore we need to use scientific methods in order to capture this on tape or, or you know, through some sort of measurements or readings personally I think that's a totally wrong approach and it, it lends itself to articles like this because people who are really engaged in science can simply say well the, you're just misunderstanding what Einstein was saying you know and that, I guess that's what this author or this article is is trying to say but uh, but he also I I do think that there's a problem with this because the other article that he wrote uh, why ghosts get spooked by HD cameras basically what he's saying is now that there are so many cameras out there, you know, everybody, like, on your iPhone right now, you have a better camera than uh, someone in Hollywood would have had 10 years ago.
0: Well, yeah, the technology is just going on and on and on.
2: Well, so his question is, how come there aren't more ghost photos out there? Because these cameras, uh, the, the evidence should improve as the cameras improve, but he claims that, these high-definition cameras actually reduce uh, ghosts on film because they, they um, here, I'll, I'll just read what his explanation is. He says, uh, high-definition provides more image information, which helps identify things often mistaken for ghosts, such as random shadows, unnoticed reflections, and video artifacts. Uh, he says, with those ghost imposters more easily dismissed, any real ghostly images should be sharper and clearer than ever before. Uh, the age of amateurs posting questionable video evidence of the paranormal should be coming to an end.
4: Yeah, I doubt that. So
2: he says, uh, professional ghost hunters might well continue using cameras that produce low-quality images. After all, that's where the ghosts appear. Now, I think he's being a little facetious there. You know, a lot of these skeptical articles, I appreciate what they're doing. I, I appreciate looking at this from a different angle. But what I would like to know is what is the explanation for things like EVPs? Because it seems like to me, there's only two explanations. Either every one of them you've ever heard is a fraud and somebody deliberately recorded it, or it should be an amazing discovery. But you never read any skeptical inquiry into EVPs because it's hard for them to dismiss that.
0: Right. Well, the way I look at an EVP too, I've I've caught them myself and a couple, you know, quite amazing. But an EVP is something we don't know. Is it a ghost? I don't know that for sure. I'm
2: assuming. Right. You that, don't know what the origin of I mean, it is. I
0: mean, it it could be. Uh, it could be anything. It could be actually interdimensional or, I mean, all kinds of things. We don't know. All we know is it's a voice that's coming from nowhere. It could be one of those things you were discussing a little bit earlier, somebody's soul that passed away. I mean, we just have no idea, but we do know it. it's not imaginary. The EVPs are real and they do get picked up.
2: Yeah, but it's it's very hard to dismiss them. Well, I, I guess in a certain way, it easy. it is easy to dismiss them because if you're if you're a hardcore skeptic, you're just going to think everyone you hear is fake. You're so they could just say, oh, well, that person went and recorded it themselves. And some of them, you know, I think that on some of these shows, uh, like, well, maybe we shouldn't name any <laughs> any names. But it seems like the EVPs they play sound like the same voice filtered through a computer to, to make it sound spooky. Yeah, it might be. Yeah. So in that sense, you can dismiss those. But on the other hand, I mean, how do you account for sounds that you record that 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 are actually
0: clear and they weren't filtered. I mean, actually, like, the one EVP I got was very clear, distinctively a voice, and it wasn't filtered or anything. So, you know, it wasn't run through nothing. If you take something and you run it through enough filters and modify it, you can actually make it to say things.
2: Yeah, well, my my favorite is one in... in evp uh tells you something that you didn't know before like for instance so what uh, your
0: numbers to the lottery
2: like something about the place like there's a place called tinker swiss cottage up here in rockford uh-huh and uh a paranormal investigative team got an evp that of a woman saying i don't like trains trains bring death uh yeah. when when a train was going by in the background and You can hear other people like talking, and they when they uh, played it back, they heard this, and it's very clear. If you uh, play it back, you'll hear this woman saying it. It's not really something you can debate. I mean, it's it's not just like garbled nonsense. It's a clear voice, and the the owner of the cottage uh, or one of the employees rather took this information to the local library and the genealogical department and he asked the woman what could it mean like why would somebody think that a train was bringing death or something in that area and he found a couple of things that he didn't know before That one of the things was that the, the owner of the cottage uh, Mr. Tinker he had gotten hit by a train and lost his foot so that's one explanation or the other one is during the influenza epidemic there used to be be a military base there and a lot of the soldiers got sick and died and the train would bring the dead soldiers past the house every day uh and so those are two things that he didn't know about the the place that would
0: definitely be train bringing death the one with the soldiers too
2: right and it's interesting because if you were going to fake an evp what like why would you be that specific Correct. you know and and not knowing anything about that that part of the history of the place so even though i consider myself to be a bit of a skeptic but it's hard to dismiss stuff like that well i got
0: an evp like that mike at auxiliary sable cemetery mm-hmm. i was we were out, we we're talking about that last week too i was in a section there and i got an evp and i play it back it's actually quite clear and it said my shoes. Where are my shoes? And I'm listening to that, and I'm like, what? You know, what the heck does that have to do with anything?
4: Yeah. But
0: when we went back, myself and uh, Rachel, a friend of mine, we did some research, and we had found out that a, uh, a young mother, I, I believe it was a car wreck, I could be wrong, but actually died, you know, a tragic death, and she collected shoes. Her husband's nickname for her was actually shoes. Interesting. And they had a pair of shoes, I guess, at one time, sitting on her tombstone. Well, I didn't know any of this. Yeah. So, I mean, that corresponded, that was like, holy crap. You know, it went from an EVP that didn't make any sense to making all the sense in the world.
2: Yeah, and it it would be really nice if there was a place where people could uh, um, display that evidence to be analyzed by other people, other than people in paranormal groups. I I think, really, that a lot of this uh, alleged evidence that's captured by paranormal investigative teams... It's almost like an incomplete project, right? There's all these people out there doing the research, but none of this alleged evidence gets published and analyzed by anybody. Everybody,
0: no one wants to share their evidence in this field. They're afraid someone else is going to find it's fake. I mean, some are better than others, but some people literally, especially in the EVPs, that's my pet peeve, somebody will get an EVP and they want you to listen to it. They don't say, here's this EVP, see what you hear. They say, listen to this EVP. It says, I'm going to kill you. They they shouldn't tell you what it says. (laughs) No, I'm serious. They shouldn't tell you. You should try to hear it yourself. And even if people do tell you that and you listen, you don't hear a thing a lot of times. But the person that gives it to you, you know, is positive that's what they hear
2: right well and that that's what makes me suspicious about the motivations of a lot of these groups because if your goal really was to find definitive evidence you would want that evidence to be available to be analyzed and if it's not really a ghost voice if it was really just like I don't know it stairs creaking or something mm-hmm. that's okay it's okay to have some of that thrown out because you want to weed out every possibility correct And you can't just do it yourself. That's the whole part about science is that uh, scientific information needs to be able to be analyzed by many different people in order to come to a conclusion. You can't just judge for yourself and say, oh, I think objectively this is what it is.
0: A lot of people like that, too. Like, um, well, my website, people will post photos, EVPs, and stuff, and definitely be sure it's that. And then the purpose of my site is actually so you can do that, and then other people interested in the same subject. To look at it objectively, but sometimes people get actually quite upset if you don't agree with their findings. But right. that's that's the wrong attitude because that's the purpose of paranormal websites. It's to put it out there and have other people look at it for an objective view on it.
2: Yeah. And I, I've heard stories like that from paranormal groups where uh, they will come and say, you know, we look through your house. We don't think that this is a ghost. We think it's, you know, something else. And the person will get mad. It's like they only wanted the Group to come there and tell them their place was haunted. Well, exactly. Not that it wasn't haunted.
0: If it's not what they want to hear, they get mad. I've had people that actually quit my website before. They'll put a post down there and they'll see something that nobody else can see. And I honestly do try to see what people see. I mean, I really look, but a lot of times I can't see it. And then other times I can, but you can tell it's an actual bush or a leaf or something. But sometimes you just can't see it. And these people get so mad, you know, they sometimes they say rude things and they just quit the site.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, speaking of paranormal frauds. Uh, not that in all cases those people are frauds, but I just wanted to tie it back to what we we wanted to uh, talk about earlier. I well, there's think
0: mu- there's multiple things on paranormal frauds. I mean, one of them is uh, fake, you know, psychics and mediums that take advantage of people and take their money. And another side of that is actually groups, like you were just saying. Someone comes into your house and you think it's haunted. Well, rather than coming in and saying no, it's not, and the homeowner getting mad. A lot of these groups will go in and say, oh, yes, it is. We sense this, which is pure bull, too. I've actually, uh, Jason Sullivan, he was on the show before, uh, and he was saying that at his home, he, uh it wasn't haunted, but he had, I forgot what it was, three or four different groups go in there. And he gave them the story that he heard weird things and he wanted them to go in and investigate the house. And uh-huh. this was just because he wanted to prove a point to how dishonest these groups are. And I forgot what it was. Three or four groups went in. Every one of those groups declared his house was haunted. From complete, you know, Satan's there himself to a poltergeist. They all had different versions, but everyone came back and said, yes, it was haunted. That's 100% genuine fraud right there.
2: Yeah, yeah. And that's, that really fuels the fire of skeptics because when they do find that somebody has faked this evidence or, or anything like that, then they just discount the whole area of interest. They say, Correct. oh, well, this guy was doing it fraudulently, so all these groups must be.
0: And they say, and the other one is the fake psychics, readers, and... That's, you see them. Every town has them. You're you're in Rockford, isn't that where you are yeah. in Rockford? Uh, I'm sure you got them too. Every town has them. There's a sign oh, yeah. in front we, of someone's house, sure. you know, Miss uh, Miss blah 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 psychic.
2: Well, you know what? I like those psychics better almost because they're more honest about what they're doing. I mean, they you know it's a theater act when you go in there.
0: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, there are real psychics. No, if or, or butts.
2: Right, but there there was a um, there was a psychic. And now I think her business probably is hurting because it, she set up next to the off-track betting facility in Rockford. And so, you know, you go there, I guess you get your fortune read, and then you go to the off-track betting place. But that's, you know, to me, I mean, hey, this is America. If you if you can make money doing that, go ahead. Right. The people that irritate me the most are people who pretend like they're helping people or something, but uh, they're really just Exactly. Frauds.
0: You know, they're like, oh, I have this gift, and, you know, I just want to help you with this. Oh no, I don't charge but I gladly take donations. You know that kind of yeah. ball.
2: Yeah, and it's uh I mean but I I think you can spot those people pretty, pretty easily. Uh, I'm generally just kind of, I don't know, whenever I meet anyone who says that they're psychic, I, uh, have doubts about that. Um, until I get to know them a little bit more. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't some people that do have, uh, abilities of that nature, but I think it's far fewer people than you, you meet. Oh, I believe so these too. they use stuff.
0: the term uh reader now too and uh, feeler and they got all these fancy words for it it's all the same thing
3: though
2: yeah but i i always love it when uh i go to one of these conferences and there's there's a guy who's like a um a bone reader or some something and he, <laughs> he charges like 25 bucks for 15 minutes like i think i'll keep the 25 bucks thanks
0: i know we'll see those are, those are the ones that gives you the bad name too and there's a lot of those and unfortunately there's a lot of suckers lined up to give them the money yeah so you know can you blame them in one hand i mean it's a matter of common sense too you know you know if they're stupid enough to pay them what can you say some people just they just don't have enough common sense to realize that they're being taken advantage of i actually well, know i know one instance where this psychic was giving readings and it was a free event This person loves to promote their free events because it makes them look better in their own eyes. But they they were giving readings all night long. The funny thing was, is we, a few of us people were keeping track of these things. Mm -hmm. And throughout the night, various guys got identical readings. (laughs) You know, a little fishy there. But, you know, we'd have someone coming back two, three hours later, you know, not to be suspicious. But they got carbon copy identical readings. You know, to me, isn't that a huge red flag?
2: So what do you think was going on there?
0: 100% fake. Well, I mean, no doubt. That, that's fake. How could you possibly give multiple people the same readings?
2: So the, these are different people.
0: Different people.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, sure. And it's supposed to be secret, so those people aren't really going to know. Correct.
0: But we were all discussing it beforehand because we already knew this person was a fake. Yeah. So everyone told their secret readings. <laughs> and lo and behold, half of them were the same reading.
2: Well, there, there's an old uh, gypsy trick where they, they'll they tell you that uh, your money is cursed, mm-hmm. and you need <laughs> to give them your money, and they'll, they'll clean it for you, cleanse it of the curse. <laughs> and people do that. There was just a case in Florida. Somebody handed over like, hundreds of thousands of dollars, and uh, they were taken in by this scam. But for some reason, some people, you know, they're real superstitious, and they believe that.
0: I know that's... Well, it's been like that since the beginning of mankind. There's always been suckers.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely.
0: But uh, I... Which, my pet peeve is these f- people that are fakes and they, you know, they charge you. Or a lot of them won't charge you, but they, they'll they take donations. Right. And, you know, I don't care what you call it. It's still charging somebody. Where, you know, whether you call it a donation or anything you want, it's still you're taking that person's money for giving them a line of crap.
2: Yeah. And, and I, you know, that's why a while ago I decided that uh, I'm gonna put out my writing and everything and people of course can can buy my books and things like that uh, but I'm not gonna pretend like I have some kind of special knowledge or anything you know right. it, it is what it is
0: Well I've met quite a few psychics throughout the years or so-called psychics and some of them I know pretty well and to be a hundred percent honest every single one was a fraud some mm. more so than others and yeah it's just and some of them people everyone knows they think these people are amazing but they're frauds. Wake up, you know. Smell the coffee, people.
2: Well, some of them, I, you know, I, I've seen these mediums that uh, that talk with ghosts, mm-hmm. and I, I would tend to believe someone a little bit better if maybe they weren't so clear about what the ghost was saying but i've met people who say that they're having like a conversation with this ghost like you're they're talking <laughs> with you or me yes i was like come on i mean that's a little bit uh excessive there <laughs> hey,
0: what, what do you think of the the frank's box and all those transistor radios people listen to and hear ghosts
2: i i think that uh now i've heard some things that are interesting Okay, I'm not sure if it's a different... I'm not up on all the different types of equipment. Yeah, I know
0: there's actually a bunch of different names for them now. I just call them all the Franks. All they, well, Let me be more specific. The ones where a radio is scanning frequencies, you know, that type of thing.
2: I've seen one where uh, there was static in the background, white noise, and somebody was asking questions, and you heard almost like responses. It wasn't like voices would come over... Mm -hmm. Just randomly, it was always in response to something that he asked. It might be in those other versions, the the versions where it cycles through stations, I think they could be hearing broadcasts from other, other places. But in the other thing... On one hand, that's it's uh, interesting because the voice seems to be answering your questions. But on the other hand, I mean, how do we know that they're not picking up some CB signal somewhere and, like, uh, ha- you know, having a conversation with some trucker?
0: Well, some people, I mean, they they really believe in those. And I'm not saying these people that do are frauds in any way, shape, or form. I'm not saying that. I just mean personally, I just don't see that. And, it, and it, like, again, I'm not saying what they're hearing is wrong. I'm just saying personally... I don't understand it. To me, it just doesn't make sense. Listening to a radio scan and then hearing voices.
2: Yeah, well, it'd be like okay. Well, if I built a CB radio and I called it like the 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 mic box, (laughs) yeah, or the the ghost (laughs) voice box or something, I'm like, you can ask this questions and the ghost voice will come up. I bet you there are people out there who really would believe that oh, I guarantee it. there's dead people on the other line when it's <laughs> really just, you know, a truck driver or something.
0: <laughs> there you go. Go to one of those psychic fairs, have your psychic mic radio, and then I'll be behind the scenes on the other psychic mic radio talking.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I, c- I could ask questions, and you you could have very specific answers. And people would be amazed by that.
0: Well, people do do that too. I mean, there's no doubt that's that's the beginning of the psychic frauds. That was way back. They used to like hide in other rooms and do that. There was a whole big thing back then.
2: Well, it had to have been after the invention of the radio. So I mean, we're talking 1930s, something like that. But really, the the height of the spiritualist movement was in the late 1900 or 1800s, mm-hmm. and then it kind of tapered off after that. I think. World War 1 and the Great Depression kind of took people's attention away from from the paranormal from the ghosts. Yeah, so these things have come and gone. Although there is a spiritualist community outside of Rockford. I don't know if you were aware of that.
0: Oh, is there like a cult or something?
2: Well, no, it's I I guess they turned spiritualism into a religion and i had no idea i thought that all spiritualists disappeared back in like the 1920s but apparently some have have uh, lingered on and Hidden continue in rockford to, yeah they continue to do their thing
0: so uh are, we could tell the listeners that you and i are going to be at Munger road this weekend because uh we're recording this on thursday and it airs on sunday so by the time it airs we're already back Hopefully.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, we'll be back, and uh, if we encounter anything unusual, I guess we'll just have to talk about it on next week's show. Well,
0: actually, uh, Anthony, our producer, is going to come along too with our recording equipment. Oh, interesting. Uh, We're actually going to talk out there, you know. Will actually probably the last thing you'll ever hear from any of us. Yeah.
2: Well, I'm sure that'll require a lot of editing. We yeah, well, are you I'm just sure. gonna, are you just gonna walk and talk at the same time for? No, we're gonna
0: we'll do the normal thing. I mean, we'll we'll record it and then edit it. Otherwise, we got those long Michael Clean pauses.
2: <laughs> That's those are thinking pauses.
0: Well, most of the audience doesn't know they're there because of the magic of editing. Yeah.
2: Well, when we uh, or you start doing live radio, <laughs> we're not gonna be able to do that.
0: In, in reality. Mike will say a sentence and pause 30 seconds between words, but you guys don't hear
2: that. And it's really, it's better that way.
0: You guys hear the polished Michael clean. A a half hour Michael clean interview is three hours of editing.
2: It's, you know, it's worth every minute.
0: Oh, definitely. We've never had a single complaint about you.
3: Speaking of Munger Road, check out the movie. It's uh, at theaters right now. It's a pretty good movie. It's a fictional uh, take on the actual events that happened there. And uh, our next show, we're going to get into a little bit more about Munger Road. But uh, we'll be right back. Thank you very much, Mike. You're listening to Threshold Radio. We'll be right back.
4: TheEdgeOnAir.com and Thresholds into Other Realms present Thresholds Radio, a weekly show dedicated to all things paranormal. Join your hosts Sam Moranto, John Stevenson, and Anthony Kopp Fridays from 10 to 11 p.m. for an expedition beyond your most unexplainable dreams. With new guests every week, Thresholds Radio will bend your views on reality. That's Friday nights 10 to 11 on TheEdgeOnAir.com. For more info on Thresholds Radio, visit UFO-info com
3: you're listening to Threshold Radio I'm Anthony K with me is Sam Ronto and John Stevenson and now we have Suzanne Taylor's segment Outside the Box with John Stevenson and Suzanne Taylor go ahead guys welcome back Suzanne so what do you have in store for us today
1: well I actually have a, a wonderful story today it's one of my absolute favorites uh, of something that happened in the world that I had some involvement with that is really beyond the beyond uh, it's a story about Carolyn Meese I think that's how you say your name. M-Y-S-S is the way she spells it. And she's been around for a long time. She's been a leader, you might say, in the human potential movement for decades now. I'm looking on Amazon. She has lost count of how many books she has. I think Anatomy of the Spirit was the most famous one. Uh, Maybe 30 books. And here's what it says. There's one entry on Amazon that says, Amazon's complete selection of Carolyn Meese books. Carolyn is dedicated to creating educational programs in the field of human consciousness, spirituality and mysticism, health, energy medicine, and advancing the science of medical intuition. So that's quite a broad range. But in fact, the way she claimed to fame that got her on the world stage was as a medical intuitive, where she can diagnose people by looking at them, feeling them, whatever it is that medical intuitives do to tell you what's wrong. Yeah, I've heard
0: about that before. That's kind of an amazing thing.
1: There are a few of them, and few, although maybe there's millions of them we don't know about, but anyway, it's such a really extraordinary capacity, and doctors use them. They they get used in medical situations, particularly where the doctors are stumped. But whatever, it's, it's quite a talent. It's it just, you know, what can we say about things like this, so that in itself. But that's not what we're going to talk about today. What we're going to talk about is what she calls... Her favorite story of her entire professional career that she tells on tapes and print and and that I had an involvement with, strange but true. In fact, I'm I'm on a website here. Oh, it's on her website where she's written it up. Mies.com is her website. M y s s .com. And here's the the line that I rather liked. She tells the whole story, and I'll tell you the story, but here's the line I liked. One story comes to mind that a woman shared with me after a workshop near London, which, and now she has this parenthesis, oh, which, no, not that this means anything because this is a little aside, had to be the single most outrageous workshop of my life. Well, that's what I know about. I know about that workshop. The story is the story, but the workshop is where the story occurred. Mm -hmm. So... I'm I'm a little uncertain whether to tell you the story. I think I'll tell you the outrageous part of it first and then I'll tell you the story. So well, there here's you the go. Out- Yeah, cuz I'm involved in the outrageous part of it. And I can't remember what year it was. I can't even remember what decade it was. I can't remember if it was the 80s or the 90s. It was a <laughs> long time ago, right? It doesn't, it doesn't even, it doesn't matter, you know. 80s story.
0: and 90s just kind of blended together.
1: I was trying to figure out what was I doing then and what was my involvement. That I couldn't figure it out, so we just have to leave it at that. I think it was the 90s, actually, but it doesn't matter, as I say. So I had this friend. She was a European um, living in England. I think she was a German girl living in England. I have not been in touch with her for a long time. And in fact, it was over this episode that I really lost my friendship with her. Mm. So my friendship with her, I actually uh, spent some time with her And the reason I guess it's the 90s is this time I spent with her had some involvement with the Crop Circles. And, of course, the reason I'm doing this segment is I'm on your stage because of my Crop Circle involvement. Well, I
0: would have, yeah, I actually would have never met you if it wasn't for your Crop Circle involvement.
1: Indeed. So I am the uh, filmmaker for What on Earth? Inside the Crop Circle Mystery that everybody can look up on Crop Circle. And
0: the Crop Circle Queen. Don't forget that.
1: Well, that is the moniker that I use around online. So when you see Crop Circle Queen, that's me. The I want to just tell your listeners, in case they're not on your website, it's cropcirclemovie.com, and we've put an extra bonus piece of material in. If you go slash radio, you'll get a bonus m- piece from my DVD. So it's cropcirclemovie.com slash radio. That okay. is
0: really a good DVD. I mean, I saw it myself, and i got to admit, it's a very good one.
1: Well, you know, it's a real Hollywood movie. We didn't do it like a plain old, you know, video, like a lot of people take videos and market them. But this is a Hollywood movie. This has a composer, and it's been done to, you know, Hollywood standards. And, in fact, it got a very good review in the New York Times, my sort of, Main, one of my main claims to fame. They had not done a story on crop circles, mentioned crop circles for decades, and here my movie gets a good review, which is a little miracle. But anyway, back to the miracle we're going to be talking about, which is, which, which is that. It is a miracle on our, that's our subject. So, so she writes, this, this had to be the single most outrageous workshop of my life, and I'm telling you about that. So this German girl was the producer of that workshop, and she's my friend. It wasn't a workshop. Carolyn is glossing over what it really was because she's not going to tell that story because it's irrelevant except that it it is very interesting that it was the single most outrageous workshop of her life because she was booked by my then friend to be the featured speaker at Wembley Stadium at a conference in the new age whatever the subject it didn't matter it was a new age conference Mm -hmm. those conferences where you have many speakers but Carolyn was the main speaker And Wembley Stadium is huge, thousands of people. It's a stadium. And Carolyn was that popular. We don't hear her name that much now, but in her most famous day, she was hugely popular. She was like Deepak Chopra. Everybody knew who Carolyn Meese was. Maybe they do now, too, because she really is wonderful. She writes fabulous books. They really inspire you to your own personal power and very illustrious figure. So my friend has her booked as the featured thing, but now I know what my friend is doing. My friend has no money, in fact, gotten $1,000 worth of printing from the print shop that she can't pay for, but she is planning on pre-sale of tickets to this event, which will be you know, fairly expensive, Wembley Stadium, I mean, they have huge music concerts there. The biggest stars play at Wembley Stadium outside of London. and. So she has gone on the hook for a lot of material, including all these this printing, that she can't pay for. But she knows she's going to get all these pre-sales. And I say to her, "No, this is a terrible thing to do." Her husband says to her, "No, honey, you can't do this." Uh, The advice she gets is not to do this because it's dangerous. You can't go. I was going to
0: say it's very dangerous.
1: Really, she has no way to cover this unless she gets her pre sales. And she headstrongly goes ahead. I'm telling you, I mean not only advice, we had counseling sessions with her or whatever. Nope, this is a very headstrong human being and she's gonna make this thing happen and it's all gonna be wonderful. Skip to the end of the story. Nobody came. There were four people who came to Wembley Stadium.
4: Oh my gosh. Uh,
1: Really, it ended my friendship with her because it was so absurd. She was so out of integrity, you know. And so when Carolyn Meese says the single most outrageous workshop of my life, she's not kidding. That <sighs> a workshop in a stadium where nobody came. I mean, how ridiculous! Having this four was.
0: people show up is embarrassing, but to be at a venue like that—that that, that's large. That's that's I a, mean, that's really bad.
1: Unbelievable, but. Out of that came Carolyn Meese's favorite story that she tells. You'll find it in many of her materials, including online. She's got it written out, but she tells it to people in her workshop because it's very inspiring inspirational to all of us about what can happen in this universe and it could happen to any of us it wasn't it wasn't like oh this weird thing happened no listen to what happened and you'll see how you'll be guided in your own life by this story so here's the story and the reason she gets the story is the 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 person to whom this thing happened was one of those four people who came to that non-event and Mm -hmm. told Carolyn this story so she didn't get her workshop out of it. She didn't get her, her stadium event out of it, but she got her favorite story. So the woman to whom this happened, there was a terrible car crash. And the woman is very badly mangled. She's caught between the seat and the steering wheel. She's bleeding and she's unconscious and can see and she has a near death experience. She's on her way out. And she has a classic near death experience. And what it consists of in her case is she leaves her body and she's hovering above it and she can see everything that's going on and she can hear everything that's going on. Mm -hmm. And what she sees is that there are car she sees her mangled body, she sees all the things that happen with a car crash, and she sees that behind her car cars are stuck. They can't get past, and, and they create a single lane for the cars to get by, and the people behind her in the first few cars, cursing, they're unhappy, oh, they're going to yes. be late, they're miserable. In the fourth or fifth or whatever car close by is a woman who has a very different reaction. This woman is just, you know, heartsick at what's going on with a car crash, and She is aware that somebody is badly hurt, and she's praying for the woman who's hurt. It's the woman who's hurt who comes to the workshop and tells the story, because obviously she recovers. So she's having this near-death experience. She's listening to the woman praying for her. And as the woman is praying for her, somehow a light shoots out of her, in her hovering body, back down to Earth, she gets a message from the angels. "It's not your time yet. She comes back in her body, but before she comes back into her body, she reads the license plate of the woman who is praying. Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm getting chills here telling you this <laughs> yeah. story. I bet you could read it. I mean, it, you know it's in more detail on Carolyn Meese's site, Carol Meese.com. Uh, she recovers and she knows the license plate number and she looks it up and indeed she brings a bouquet of flowers to this woman who prayed for her but somehow the prayers contributed to getting her back in her body and but the miracle of being able to witness from a disembodied state from she's unconscious she's out of her body and she's reading a license plate so you say you know somebody says oh i had this experience i was out of my body i saw all the doctors that and sometimes you get those stories they hear the doctors and you don't know if it's
0: just a malfunction in the brain or if you know imagining it or if it really happened but you got a license plate my gosh
1: (laughs) exactly exactly and it's real and the license plate turns out to be true so when carolyn meese tells this story she talks about kindness as the greatest gift that we can give each other. Uh, so it's not only the experience of the miracle of the way the universe is, where we're not just in this narrow band of objective reality, but that we exist in other realms and the kind of things that empirical science doesn't acknowledge but that we have all this evidence for we have to rewrite science we have to rewrite our worldview we have to get a bigger picture of what quote reality is but at the moment we don't have that so stories like this are fabulous to I mean I'd like to see
0: what the scientists say to try to explain that one off because they always try to come up with some sort of reason but I mean how how in heaven's name would she have known that plate I mean
1: well obviously they can't explain it there is no way the, the, we are now in the realm they try to explain crop circles as coming from people and you have to really be willing to examine laboratory evidence that sort of thing but in this instance you don't have to do anything you just listen to this story and you know you hear it from horse's mouth and you there are you know different characters involved who all played their part in this And it's just an incontrovertible story about how different the universe is, or how much bigger it is, or how much uh, we need to change the worldview of what reality is. But then I love the kind of way that this Carolyn Meese is quite wonderful. I mean, you can listen to her tapes and read her books, and she deserves all of the glory that she's ever had, because she's just one of the most grounded, sweet, compassionate, but very real and gutsy and a very, very great teacher, and inspirational person, and who knows what power she has that she can be this miracle intuitive. I'll just read you a little bit from what she says in this piece that uh, she's written it all up in. She says, I'm at the point in my life at which I can no longer handle religious imagery or taking any of the myths about the divine literally. I've passed on those years ago, but prayer and the power of grace is not something I pass on. In fact, the more I shake free of the literal, the more I am in love with the mystical. And prayer, ultimately, is a mystical force, not a literal rational one that compels life to move according to our plans. We can't move anything according to our plans. And one of those, and that is one of those mystical realities that is at once annoying and comforting. Imagine that someone said to you in a moment of panic or a time of sadness, I'll pray for you and you'll get through this. Do you think that would bring you comfort? Imagine, like that woman in the car accident, that each day someone was bowing her or his head in prayer, asking heaven to flood you with grace. And all the more incredible, you are known by heaven that grace is delivered directly to you. You are so known by heaven that grace is delivered directly to you. Reflect on that mystical phenomenon. You are that known by this divine force. I suspect that if we could grasp the awesomeness of that, we would be struck blind as so many visionaries have been at the sight of a true apparition from god i uh, you know all of this is quite wonderful but oh, yeah, that's, that's the end
0: quite of my- nice actually you know the, the near death experience is another one of those things that i've been involved in since a kid like the crop circles when we were talking i know a lot about them near death i actually had my mother had an experience with her next door neighbor that was just like yours as far as it was a provable one. She had had a heart attack and died. She had a, actually had a heart attack and she had died, and she was in the emergency room. Next thing you know, she's floating above. You know, yeah, a lot right. of people say that, but she's up there floating above watching. And uh, they were trying to bring her back with those pads, you know, where they hit you and you jump up in the air. Yeah,
4: yeah. And
0: they kept doing that, nothing was happening. And one of the doctors was like, just call it. i got a golf game. And the other doctor's like, no, we should continue. He's like, oh, i got to get to my golf game. Well, they did it again, and she came back. And the first thing she did when she recovered enough to move is she asked that doctor, she's like, come here. She smacked him in the head and said, how dare you want to go to golf over trying to save my life. <laughs> I, I, life. Thought and she, that, I
1: thought maybe she'd ask him what his score was. No, but that, <laughs> that
0: was a true story, and that's another one. You know, I she, got it. She wouldn't have known that.
1: I got it. Well, they, they said that we've heard stories like that. I mean, this is not the only story quote like that. It's just quite unique. Oh, I know. Biases. I just but love
0: stories like that that actually you know make the skeptics yeah. kind of really scratch their heads like, hmm, maybe there's something to this.
1: Well, there is a, that genre if that's the right word for it of people who do have these leave the body kind of things and I, I don't know if they're all near death or whatever they are that get you out of your body and that people report things that they can't know that happened while they were watching. Right. Well, some of them they
0: they, they say could be your your brain kind of malfunctioning which is true you know when you're in a traumatic experience but some of them like the one you said and the one i just said about my you know yeah, mother's yeah. friend you know your your brain couldn't have done that how would it know that matter of no, fact no, you no.
1: those t- are the ones i'm talking about where you're actually reporting on things that happened that, that you, you couldn't have possibly
0: known right
1: right right did, did you know that
0: actually on this same fact did you know that there's hospitals now that uh, will put signs and notes on top of the, their high shelves and cabinets sometimes that can only be seen from above, just for that purpose.
1: How interesting.
0: They don't talk about it a lot. It's more of kind of a secret thing. But I know firsthand that some hospitals do that.
1: Isn't that interesting, really? Well, we're we're, we're all waking up, aren't we? I mean, gradually the whole culture is becoming more aware of the fact that there's more to, quote-unquote, reality than uh, in our normal conventional, empirical science kind of perspective. So please, you know, praise the Lord. I mean, heavens, uh, how wonderful it is that there is this uh, infusion or or increasing uh, understanding of the larger things in life. And, you know, my crop circle thing is to get headlines into newspapers all across the world that say, contact has been established whereby all of a sudden, we know there's another intelligence engaging with us, but, you know, if we weren't sort of prepared in some way, if we were really in an earlier phase of reality, another century, you know, where everything was really clamped down and tight, uh, that would be far too shocking, you might say, to all of us. It, it, It will still be shocking in a sense, but in a way we've also been prepared for the fact that our, our description of reality is far too constricted in all kinds of ways that, you know, we've really been learning over however long it's been that we've been uh, opening ourselves to bigger thoughts. So, Well, actually, I so.
0: understand that crop circle thing, too. There's, like you said, there's people that say, oh, it's just people doing that. Well, that was that, there was that one by the, I believe it was by the telescope, and it actually was that same plaque that Carl Sagan had sent up in space, well, but it was a version with alien DNA on it instead.
1: Well, that's one of the most interesting of all the crop circles. And in fact, you can't put everything into a movie. And to tell that story would have taken some amount of time to really right. go into. Well, that was just it a in a
0: nutshell there.
1: Right. That, you know, that is a nutshell. A message was sent out. A message came back and the message that came back was uh... information from the sender in other words the other intelligence that was comparable to the information about us that was sent out into space so that's kind of the story but we actually we have that crop circle in my movie we just don't talk about it uh... we have uh... the aerial of it you see it in my movie and you know people go oh what's that uh except that that one's gotten fairly famous if you know you're tuned into this sort of thing uh because it's such an unusual kind of circumstance of but you know a lot of the things in the crop circles they're mirroring things back to us which tell us that something thoughtful and mindful is uh operating on whatever some other plane some other universe some other planet some other <laughs> wherever it's coming from right uh, but but, you know, that kind of kind of recognizable information that we recognize uh, is the uh, uh, what the evidence that other intelligence is at work. And that's not just nature sending, because nature does kick up geometric patterns and a lot of the crop circles are sophisticated geometry and you go oh mm. how can they get so sophisticated well nature is very sophisticated and that conceivably could be some like snowflakes are all geometric and that's nature Correct. we don't make yeah. snowflakes but when you get a message like that that's been carefully encoded and created and thought about and whatever uh, then you know it's not nature it, and that didn't science. that
0: message show the planet they were from too if I recall or something to that uh, uh, the galaxy or something like that too
1: well it had different different uh, aspects. It had a uh, table of elements, theirs and ours. It had how big we are, how big they are, the size of us, whatever. But what it had about the planets was they have three inhabited planets in, I can't remember how many were in their solar system. We have one, obviously, us. Yeah. But they have, yeah, they have three. So there was information about their solar system. You know, it was very, very sort of basic information about the nature of their reality. came back to us but but quite fast I mean there's a study there to go that never got that
0: much press really did it I mean amazing as that was I mean that should have been stop the presses kind of news
1: well I could have lost my entire fortune on that one because when it it came in uh very shortly after within a couple of weeks I think after the biggest one ever the size of two football fields and the world press was there uh, it was called Milk Hill for, for a name for it. Is that mm-hmm. big uh, six-armed uh, round thing with 409 separate circles in it? And th- it, whenever something way different from any of the circles that have been before appears, the press covers it. That's the only time they cover it. Correct. Something unusual in the phenomenon itself. They tend, they sometimes cover it. So. The press had been there just a couple of weeks before. This was quite awesome. Uh, it was just an astonishing. It was so huge, and uh, so the press. So when this one came in, I was actually one of the first people in it, and that's oh, another that's story. Yeah, that's another story. I call. I call people from there. Uh, and t- said, you go over the barbed wire here, you go under the fence there, this is how you <laughs> there, whatever. We had sussed it out and with little information we had from people who had been in it prior to us. When I got in that and I realized what it was, I made a bet with somebody. I said, I bet everything I own that this is gonna be the breakthrough. This is gonna be the world <laughs> is gonna find oh, out. So you something- would've been in
0: trouble there. <laughs>
1: uh, if they would called me on my bet, I would've been in trouble because the world totally ignored it. But here, here's another little wrinkle on that. SETI, Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. I think it was a government agency at the time, private now. Yeah, and it's they closed now, a, actually. They issued a statement about it. And what they said was, because the original message had been sent out in binary code from a radio telescope, and you can translate binary code to a drawing, which is what happened in the wheat. So what, what SETI said was, oh, no, if there had been a real other intelligence, as opposed to people who sent this to us, they wouldn't have sent it in a wheat field. They would have sent it in a radio telescope message. Case closed. How do they know
0: that? I mean, I, the arrogance of that actually. <laughs>
1: really? Well, I have that posted on my website as my, the whole communication, the letter that SETI put out. And, well, SETI oh, I really. consider it
0: to be a bit of a joke anyway, being involved in the UFOs too. I mean, SETI's out there looking everywhere, light years away, but all they got to do is look right behind them on the ground or just right up in the air somewhere. They're well, <laughs> it's
1: sillier than that, actually. Indeed, all I have to do is look down on the ground at the crop circles. I mean, I've said that for years, but it's even sillier than that, and then anybody who knows anything about the nature of the universe knows that this little band that they can cover is never going to reproduce nothing i mean mean, there's a lot i say never now obviously the people who've done it think it will but there's very intelligent critique of that that says it's an absolutely ridiculous project because it never can get a result based on what they know about how those things work i mean
0: there's always a small chance that somebody just happens to fly their ufo right by there and make some noise but it's so slim it's like trying to find the needle in the haystack
1: well, they're not looking for... No, they're not looking for UFOs. What they're looking for... They're looking is for a, audio. A signal that's coming from right. another intelligence because if you were going to try to find others in the universe, you'd send out a signal. I, I guess we send out a signal. But because of whatever, whatever, that will never get a response according to the authoritative enough people that I, re, I hear what they say and I think, right, that SETI project is some kind of... I mean, is it possibly some kind of dodge... Where it makes it look like we're interested, but in fact it's a sham just to take the heat off of the fact that likely there's other intelligence in this incredibly vast universe, and we should be doing something about it, but in fact we don't. And. Right. That's you actually you do. hit the
0: nail on the head. For most of the people I talk with, that's about what everybody seems to think it is. Like a dog and pony show. It's just it's just there. It's not doesn't really mean anything.
1: Like a cover, yeah. So that they can take the heat off uh, the, what what we really might be doing, including examining crop circles. Oh well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We could go on all night, John. Do you want me to do the whole show?
0: <laughs> yeah, You can do our whole three hours today if you want to. Hey, man. You know,
1: we're on the way.
0: <laughs> okay, so what do you have? You got anything in line for next week yet?
1: No, no, no. We just concentrate one at a time. You know, just have to be fascinated enough with what we tell them that we think, oh, she's going to be interesting again. So
0: Our subjects have been good every time so far, I believe. We've, so far, so good. We, we, haven't, really. we haven't got any compliments, but then again, we haven't got any complaints, which is really a good thing in radio, because they don't compliment, but boy, they they certainly will complain
1: <laughs> well listen you listeners you hear john here come on send some nice words back we'd appreciate that and then go to my website don't forget let's close out with that cropcirclemovie.com easy to remember if you put a slash radio on it, you'll also get a piece of the bonus material from our DVD, which is quite—that's
0: quite the secret part, just for our listeners.
1: It is for radio. That's why we said radio on it. I, I love this piece of bonus material. It's absolutely wonderful. A lot of crop circles and a wonderful voiceover. I tried to get the voiceover a, a certain track that actually happened, and I couldn't get it in my movie. I said, "Okay, I got to get it in the bonus material." So there it is on this uh, particular clip. So.
0: Okay, well, that was a great talk, and we will talk to you again next week.
1: Looking forward to it, John. See you okay, next week. Okay,
3: bye now. All right, thank you very much, Suzanne Taylor's Outside the Box. Everybody, we'll be right back. You're listening to Threshold Radio.
4: Shonair.com and Thresholds into Other Realms present thresholds radio a weekly show dedicated to all things paranormal join your hosts sam Moranto, john stevenson and anthony copp fridays from 10 to 11 p.m for an expedition beyond your most unexplainable dreams with new guests every week thresholds radio will bend your views on reality that's friday nights 10 to 11 on the edge for more info on thresholds radio visit ufo-info.com
3: my name is Anthony Kaye With me is Sam Ronto and John Stevenson. You're listening to Threshold Radio. Right now we have Frank Kaufman uh, telling us a little bit how to, uh, well, telling us the principles and how to understand uh, the camera and how to capture a great image, especially a UFO, um, a ghost, something of that matter. A lot of these things are hard to capture, especially at night. Uh, That's why you'll see a lot of blurry UFO photos. Now, Frank's going to tell you the professional way on how to capture a clear, perfect image of a UFO or uh, a ghost or something of that matter. So here's Frank Kaufman.
5: Here today to talk about photography and uh, as it relates to especially investigations and and possible recording of UFO activity. The... uh, as I say, this, this STAR report, as it's going to be called, probably one page in the journal, uh, will be specialized on studies that, that the STAR team has done in investigations. A case out on the uh, Carolina coast, or not far from the coast the month before, where uh, a fellow in a boat sighted what he thought was a, a huge cylindrical object, it turned out to be a blimp hanger <laughs> reflected on the water. So. Uh, we, we do investigations and uncover, obviously, mistaken identity things, too. Uh, again, we're always looking for the objective analysis of, of the truth. Contact info for me, and if you want to get in touch with me, it's fairly simple. This is not not my college address, but it's an easy-to-remember one. Uh, just F. Kaufman, C-O-F-F-M-A-N, at P.O.Box.com. No periods, it's just P-O-B-O-X.com. It's an email forwarding system. Everybody, almost everyone, has a cell phone these days that usually has a camera built in. The quality of those is improving, but not uh, not significantly. And uh, while who knows what strides will be made in the next year or two, that may be completely adequate for most purposes. But I, th- I think the first order of business for all people interested in an in investigation, or at least in, even in the UFO phenomenon, would be Uh, to have a camera (laughs) the uh, you know that's uh, that's pretty much it if you're out there and you see and you make a sighting and don't have a camera then there's no way to take a picture of it so this is an advice we give to to modern-day journalists since things are merging into used to be the case you'd send out a reporter and a photographer uh, to cover the the story whatever it may be and uh, more and more these days, the, the the reporter is also a photo or even cine journalist uh, with uh, t- with the uh, MP3 recorder, with digital video capability, with you know do the report and the whole thing. So obviously, if you're if you're cameraless, there's not not much of a way to uh, to get the good photo. Uh, a big question over the last several years has been film versus digital. And only a couple of years ago, I was advocating film as the choice still. I think I've, I've changed my mind on that. There are advantages to film, which I'll go into, but digital has pretty much taken over. There's still, in the history of photography, of course, we've come a long way since uh, a fellow named Niepce in France in 1823 and you know, did the first true photograph. It's a, a thing that was exposed all day long. Uh, on a piece of stone (laughs) covered with bitumen. Uh, There are pictures available online and stuff, but by the 1840s and 50s, uh, photography was pretty much underway. The Civil War era, you've all seen the amazing images from that 1860s period. And uh, there's still folks out there doing glass plate negatives, like the old, (laughs) lots of poisonous chemicals, soak the the glass plate, take the Civil War era uh, picture. But a guy named Eastman invented film (laughs) near the end of that century. And film's pretty much been the standard uh, for quite a few years now, a century or so. I think we're beyond the cusp of that. I think it's changed over and digital is now the norm. And the quality is there. And my other advice on film versus digital just a couple, three years ago was that film was the better choice because it was and still is, actually, much harder to fudge. <laughs> uh, it's, it's tough to fake a, a film negative and get away with it. Uh, what's happened with the uh, the rise of, of digital uh, interpretation is that the digital photo is now fairly easy to, to find out if it's a fake also. There are specialists who can look at, the, at all the pixels and see if, if something's been tampered with. So uh, I think it's... Uh, it's probably shifting over to the digital uh, area. One thing that a lot of people don't do, even if they buy the, you know, and I, they've, they've made such strides in digital equipment that these small compact digital camera, a really good one, can be had for $100, $200, something like that. May seem like, even, even $400 or $500 may seem like a, a big invest, investment initially. But of course, one of the big advantages of digital. Is that you don't have to pay for anything after that, <laughs> except for the memory card, which you can erase. It's pretty much a limitless supply of photos that you have at hand, and they can be uh, they can be saved in multiple formats, overwritten, erased. There's no cost for the initial film because there is none. There's no processing cost, so in the long run, it's a, it's a good investment. They make cameras now that are so so full of features and so compact Uh, I'm I've shifted over to being kind of a Canon guy myself I've shot Nikon equipment before quite a bit many of the cameras can set as you see their M is full manual where you set everything where probably most except for good amateurs and professionals they don't probably set both aperture and that's the width of the lens opening and also the duration of the exposure, the time. But that A there for aperture, I'll get to that shortly. Uh, I want to talk over just a few quick rules of thumb before I go on to plugging aperture priority setting. Um, There's some basic things that, that you're taught in any photography class. Fill the frame uh, or get close to your work, as some photography coaches uh, say it. Well, that's hard to do when you're talking about something that's 10,000 feet up in the air. So the way to get close to it would be telephoto lens or a lens that has a zoom capability. When you do that, you uh, you lose steadiness. It's hard to hold the camera steady. Uh, obviously, you're probably not carrying a tripod in your pocket that could quickly be set up. <laughs> uh, sometimes, though, it's handy to carry. This is a custom-made set of like bean they call them bean bags but you can actually just use a bean bag Uh, but something like this if you're near an automobile or a fence rail or something like that you could flop something like this down or even just rest the camera itself on your hands on top of a car but this is in effect a tripod that's uh, portable Uh, anything that will steady the camera if you're zoomed out or taking a long distance image Uh, fill the frame so get as much of the image in as possible On the other hand, you want some context, uh, so wide angle might not be bad to start with. There's a tendency, I think, for people to zoom in, especially some of the digital videos I've seen. People are immediately zoomed way out, trying to catch the object as as fully as possible. But they're gonna get a sharper, clearer image if they stay back for a while, Uh, if, if it is a zoom lens. Take it at a wider angle and then gradually go in and see if in any of those frames, as you progress out that way, digi- the image is, is crystal. Um, the rule of thirds uh, is a, an art photography theory. <laughs> if you can imagine a tic-tac-toe uh, game placed over the frame of the window of the, of the picture, the, the art photographer will usually try to place the object of, of attention, the center of, of interest, at one of those points of intersection a third of the way down or up or in, left or right. In press photography though, in journalism, and in this type of photography we're talking about here, put the thing in the center of the frame, okay? Don't try to get artsy with it. Just shoot straight at and make sure you get the subject would be the, the breaking of this rule here. Um, the stable platform I've already, already mentioned. You see at the, this is, a, I wish I had a couple lenses that are f1.4. <laughs> they'll cost you about a grand or so if you get to that sort of quality lens the brighter the lens or the potential brightness is, a, is an index of how good the lens is uh, most cameras don't go down below about f2.8 or two it's a pretty good lens f1.8 things like that Nikon still makes a 1.1 lens I think it costs 7,500 or something for the 50 for the 50 millimeter standard focal length. You see F-22 out here. Now, what happens, uh, photography was developed and invented way back when with, uh, actually, the, the theory of it's been known for, you know, for a couple thousand years or so, uh, a thing called the camera obscura. Uh, they found that in a very dark room, the words in Latin mean dark room, uh, if you put a, pin, a pinhole in, in an opening on one wall, that an image upside down and reversed of whatever's outside will appear on the other wall. It's the light squeezes through and forms a, an upside down, sort of like the old cameras. Sort of like any camera actually, but we have corrections in the modern ones. Um, and that pinhole type is, is closer to F22 where you are there. That's a very, now what you'll get is a very sharp image near to far. It has great depth of field. But at night especially, or or low-light conditions, you want to set the aperture of your camera, especially when you get to twilight or thereafter, have it set on A, aperture priority, and the widest opening your camera will allow, which would probably be somewhere like 2 or 2.8. Now what that means is, it also encourages a faster photo, because the more light that comes in, uh, the less time is needed to expose or in digital to, to record the image. So there's a, a two-way plus there. Uh, by setting it for A uh, and, and opening it wide up, and don't notice the lower the number the wider the opening, uh, you have the best chance of catching an image in a darker or, or darkened situation. The other thing we'll do, the camera will, with that priority will automatically choose the faster uh, exposure time. So thousandth of a second or whatever or at night it might even take a tenth of a second but it'll still let whatever lights there in these are called F numbers sometimes or F stops uh, they can be set on any manual camera there's usually a ring that allows the setting on a film camera
3: all right that was Frank Kaufman trying to tell us a little bit about how to capture a UFO go something uh, professionally capture it a good picture, a good image uh, through a camera. We'll be right back. You're listening to Threshold Radio. Just another lesson Where a scar a of
4: TheEdgeOnAir.com and Thresholds into Other Realms present Thresholds Radio, a weekly show dedicated to all things paranormal. Join your hosts Sam Moranto, John Stevenson, and Anthony Kopp Fridays from 10 to 11 p.m. for an expedition beyond your most unexplainable dreams. With new guests every week, Thresholds Radio will bend your views on reality. That's Friday nights 10 to 11 on TheEdgeOnAir.com. For more info on Thresholds Radio, visit UFO-info All right, we'll be
3: back next week with a brand new show. We hope you enjoyed tonight's show. Sorry, it was a little shorter than normal. Uh, We all had a little bit of an issue this weekend. If you can't tell by my voice, I have a cold. And uh, John had some prior engagements and Sam did as well. So we did the best we could by putting something together for you. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back next week with a brand new show. If you can't make Sunday nights at 730 at ufo-info.com, you can always go to theedgeonair.com Friday nights from 10 to 11 to check us out. And uh, now remember, we're playing local music at the end of each show. So if you are a local artist, send us what you got. We'll play it. Uh, right now we're just playing my stuff because nobody sent me anything so uh, this is uh, The Evil Djinn which is my band and the song is called The Following we'll see you next week thanks for joining us